Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. But first, a warning. This one's going to leave you feeling unexpectedly quiet. Well, the kids have been locked down, which means they can't leave the room. So I'm recording on the back stairs today. And it's particularly windy and noisy. And hopefully the edit's going to be able to clear some of that up. One of the things that composers do all the time is reference other stuff. Sometimes unconsciously, but often overtly. By chance, in the last few episodes of Cacophony, we've had Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington arranging Tchaikovsky, Respighi using old religious chants to summon up ancient martyrs and medieval pilgrims, and Ives using pretty much anything he could find in his efforts to distill the essence of America. We've got a modern reworking for you in this episode. It's from 2006. That means I can't play you any clips of the music because the recordings are all in copyright. But we'll cope, I'm sure. We're going to listen to three studies from Couperin by the London-born pianist, composer and conductor Thomas Addis. Francois Couperin, sometimes known as Couperin Le Grand, to distinguish him from other members of his distinguished musical family, lived in the late 17th and early 18th century and he was a composer to the court of the... And he was a composer to the court of the French king, Louis XIV, living at Versailles. He published four large and important volumes of keyboard works, and wrote the book on harpsichord technique, which he then said was essential to read if you were going to play his music properly. Thomas Addis has said that his ideal day would be staying home and playing the harpsichord works of Couperin. New inspiration on every page, he says. And here he takes that inspiration and adds more than a dash of his own. Not many of us listen to solo harpsichord music, it's a bit niche, and it's quite possible that you may not even know what one really is, beyond it being the precursor of the piano. Well, one of the key differences is that instead of the strings being hit by a hammer, they get plucked by a plectrum, one often made of bird quills, I've just learnt. So that means the player can't vary the effect on the string. With a hammer, you can hit hard or soft, but the string either gets plucked or not in a harpsichord, there's no variation in that. As harpsichord technology increased and improved, they added extra strings and dampers, so you could hit one, two or three strings for each given note, or maybe an additional set of the same note an octave higher, or maybe have the strings muted by a strip of felt. So there were all these mechanical things that the player could do to vary their tone, find different colours and richness in the sound. More strings playing the same note gives you a different quality of sound, as well as just more volume. Here's a sample. One of the things that strikes me in that is that it seems to be a whole lot of notes for what is in effect quite a simple piece of music. This is partly because playing chords on the harpsichord is tricky. If you play multiple notes at the same time, as you would do on a piano, then all you start to hear is the mechanism working. So a harpsichordist plays all the notes in a chord one after the other, spreading the chord it's called, and you get this torrent of notes. Harpsichord music is inherently busy. 
Ades picks up on this in his arrangements of the three short pieces we're going to listen to. They're each about four minutes long. He's writing for a small orchestra, but he's divided the strings into two parts, so instead of the usual five lines of string music, you have ten. And he's got a few wind players, horns and trumpet, plus lots of low-pitched percussion to keep one player busy. What we hear is music that's seen through a lens, refracted. Or maybe it's through a series of broken lenses, shards of glass. In the first piece, Les Amusements, the amusements, actually it's more watery than glass I reckon. There are these bulges that pulse through the music and it feels like you're trying to see a picture at the bottom of water where the ripples of water keep distorting the image. It kind of shifts in and out of focus. Adez uses highly unusual bass and alto flutes rather than normal ones, which gives it an added half-lit feel. There's something subdued, veiled about it. The music's always moving, as if it doesn't want to be pinned down, until the end reveals a phrase of sudden depth that leaves us wrong-footed, suddenly a bit sad. The second piece is sleight of hand. It's witty and bright, spiky even. Couperin's music uses lots of repetition, which is why the harpsichord player needs to be skilled at bringing out all the different colours. And Adez finds all these different sounds and textures that he can bring out. He's a composer who really likes the sound of music. It's one of the things that really makes his music stand out. He might put instruments in unusual combinations, or have them playing in styles that they wouldn't normally. I think this is a bit like a jewellery box, or maybe a cut diamond on a turntable. Adez turns it round and round, examining it from every different possible angle. It's also got a playful feel to it, as if maybe you're running through the corridors of this palace, maybe Versailles, trying to catch a glimpse of what's happening through cracks in just open, gilded doors. And then at the end, the whole thing just collapses in a heap of notes. The final piece comes as a contrast after that, and returns to the sad end of the first piece. Called The Soul in Torment, I still find the emotional impact surprising. It's got the feel of a funeral march. Like all great pieces of music that end quietly, it's the silence at the end that really does the trick for me. It wipes the memory of the preceding pieces quite clean, and leaves me wanting to keep that silence for as long as possible. It's a tiny orchestra, and only four minutes of music, but still, powerful stuff, and memorable. I hope you like it. Click on the links in the show notes to listen to the music, and then do please tell me what you think. I really need your feedback, and you can do that via Facebook or Twitter, or better still, at cacophonyonline.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends and family about Cacophony. It only takes a couple of clicks on iTunes to give me five stars, and it'll help more people find it. Please come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.